0: Y'all should know that Dave wrote that song, um, and you should buy it. The CD is available at the Resource Center. Uh, my kids love it. They call it the fruit song, and they'll often ask me, Papi, can you put the fruit song on? Um, and they know that Mr. Dave sings the fruit song, um, and so they think that he sings every song that comes on the radio. <laughs> so they're like, oh, Mr. Dave did a good job on that one, Dad. Um, so you should definitely get it. It's great. It'll help you. It'll help them, the be- kids. If you've got kids, it'll help you remember um, the fruit of the Spirit. And we're in this series. Um, just to give you an idea, this, this season, um, in the spring, we've been looking at what does it look like for us to be people devoted to God? Um, what does that look like for us? And we spent uh, a series before Easter talking about the, the things and looking at the things that often are the greatest competitors for our devotion with God. Uh, we looked at money, sex, and power. Uh, Those things are often the the things that that compete with God for our devotion. And in this series, After Easter, we're looking at the character of God as described by Paul and the fruit of the Spirit. Because the the different characteristics paint a beautiful picture of God's character. And I want us to look at that in Galatians chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles, either old-fashioned paper or electronically on your phone, pull it up. It'll also be here on... um, on the screens but Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 and 23 it says but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace forbearance or patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law now paul here is talking to the galatians and and he's telling them he's writing this letter for them to read he's telling them That, hey, if you abide in the Spirit, the Spirit will produce these things. If you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, this is the fruit of those things. And Paul is describing this because there had been some some false teaching that had begun to creep into this church. It was this works righteousness teaching that that if by your own works you could achieve uh, favor with God... In fact, you, you, they were, that was happening because um, they, they wanted to achieve favor with the Jewish leaders of that time. And he's, he's, in the verses before this, he's contrasting the acts of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit. He's saying, hey, if you try to do this on your own, here's what you will produce. Envy. You'll produce idolatry, anger. And he, there's a list. He says, but if you, if you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit you'll experience the fruit of the Spirit. Um, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Thank you, Dave, for the song. Um, If you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, these are the things that will be produced in you. Um, And so it's important to note that the fruit of the Spirit is not something that we produce in and of ourselves. It's something that the, the Spirit that God produces in us Because we can fall into the danger of focusing on the fruit, focusing on our behavior. If I just try harder to be loving, if I just try harder to be kind, if I just try harder to be faithful, then that'll happen. But what we need to understand is that fruit is an indicator of life. It does not give life, right? If we see fruit on a tree, we know that tree is living. But if we tie fruit to a dead tree, it's not going to come to life, And so there's this tension that gets created for us in the sense that it's something that God produces, but he invites us to participate with him in it. We have a role to play as well. And so there's this kind of tension, right, of, well, is it God or is it me? Is it God or is it me? It's all God, but he requires all of us. And so as we look at this, know that John, actually Jesus, gives us the answer, the solution of that tension, he says, in John 15, he says, if you remain in me, he says, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain connected to me, you will produce much fruit. Because the reality is, is when we're connected to God is when we can truly experience life. And that life is what produces the fruit in us. And so last week we began and we looked at goodness Jeff told us that what we think about God is the most important thing about us. And he encouraged us to see God as a good, good father. There's a song out there, it's good, good father. But, but he encourages us to look at God as our good father. And part of his goodness is demonstrated in his faithfulness to us. And to, so today we're gonna be looking at faithfulness. Now, um, when I grew up in the church, and I say that, and it's almost a literal sense, like literally grew up in the church. We were in church so often. Uh, my dad is a pastor, and um, I remember that we, since we were around so much, people would automatically assume that we knew everything that was happening. So by happening means that something went missing or something broke. or And so they would ask us, like, hey, Sam, um, I'm going to ask you a question. You can't lie because you're in church. Um so I would think, but I wouldn't say, so I can lie when we leave? or What does that, what does that mean? But they would say, you have to tell the truth because you're in church. Uh, and they say, did this, this or this happen? So I want to ask you a question, and you can't lie because you're in church, right? So I, I want you to, and you don't need to raise your hand, but do you find it difficult to obey God when he tells you to do something? I'll raise my hand. Like, Do you find it hard when you know God is calling you to do something? Do you find it difficult to obey? I know that in my life um, it's hard. Sometimes I know God wants me to do something and I, and I get it right and I obey and it's awesome and sometimes I don't get it right. And in those moments, um, you know, fear and insecurity kind of creeps in and I and I don't get it right. And when I don't, I'm often f- left feeling like I've, I've let God down, that, that I can't trust him. I'm left with this sense of that I, God can no longer use me because I've let him down. It's, it's this weird feeling because it often happens like right after I've sung like Spirit lead me where my trust like oceans I, I just blaring in my car and then I get somewhere and he tells me to do something and I don't and I don't do it. it it's it, I remember um, back in the day when I was at UCF, go Knights, right? Like, yeah, man. Um, when I was at UCF doing my undergrad, I, I remember I was working full time. And so I would go to school at night. And so I'd literally, I would go into the campus, go to class and go home. Uh, and I would normally stop in at the student union and grab a, a slice of pizza before I went to class. Um, and I remember that there was a particular day that I went in, grabbed pizza and I was eating my pizzas. I was walking to the BA one building, business administration one building. Um, and kind of you're walking across the courtyard and to the building. And there was this, this kid on, this, on this, the wall there. And I remember God saying to me, go talk to the kid i'm like i'm tired i gotta go to class i haven't even finished my pizza i'm gonna be late i remember having this like what felt like a 10 minute argument with god about why i shouldn't go and talk to this kid and um and i remember but it was really like five seconds And i remember just continuing to walk go into my classroom and sit down um and I, I, I remember that I couldn't focus and about 30 minutes later I went out and the kid was gone. Um, and I was left with this feeling like I, I literally had just given God the Heisman, right? Like you're just like, no, I'm not going there. Um, and I, I think I'm not alone when I say that all of us have felt that way at some point, right? We know that God has called us to something and we often see um, our, our obedience is our faithfulness to God, And so when we're not obedient, we've let God down. I don't know if it's ever happened to you. Maybe, Maybe you're here, you're like, hey, I'm not, I've never, God has never asked me to do anything. But you know what it's like to give or to receive a Heisman. Right? Like, there have been relationships that you've wanted, maybe them, to, to go a little deeper, or to take a, an additional step, and, um, and that person has been like, "No, I don't want to." or um, you, you know what it's like to maybe you're the person who doesn't want to and saying, "You know what? No, th- you know, this isn't even if it was like third grade, right? You just wanted her to sit with you at lunch. Um, okay? We all know what it's like to give someone the heisman. And today I want us to jump in and to look at a passage in Scripture where we see someone we see Peter give his friend the Heisman. Um, his friend just happened to be Jesus. And so I want us to look at this. If you were here with us at Easter, you, you heard, um, kind of the before and after of what we're about to read now. Um, and just to kind of catch you up, um, this, this is about a week after what we're going to be reading today, a week after Jesus was raised from the dead. And, um, Prior to the crucifixion, Jesus was betrayed by Peter three times, right? It was the courtyard scene. The fires burning, and people ask Peter. That he's gripped with so much fear that he denies his friend three times. He does something that he never thought he would do. Um, and after that time, after Jesus is raised from the dead, Peter sees an empty tomb, and he basically goes back home. He goes the, the hundred or so miles from Jerusalem to, to, to the Sea of Galilee area. And he goes back to fishing. And he's fishing with his buddies. And Jesus encounters him there on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. It's a beautiful story. And it's written for us in the book of John, chapter 21. And what I love about this is the, the apostle John is, a, is the writer of this. He, followed, he was with Jesus. He was there uh, when, when Jesus encountered Peter on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And he's old when he's writing this. And I can just imagine him kind of sitting down And saying, you know, I got to write some of this stuff down. I'm about to go. I know I've told these stories over and over when people have asked me what it was like to follow Jesus. So I've got to write some of this stuff down for people that come way after. He was thinking of you and me. It's incredible. And I can imagine when he got to this part and he had told the story undoubtedly a a ton of times and he starts writing it. He's like, this is going to blow their minds when they read this, when they see how Jesus is faithful. And so here we are. John chapter 21, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And here's a key text. We kind of often jump over these two. It says, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. John's giving us some some retrospective commentary in this next verse. He said, said, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Wow, what an amazing interaction that John records for us to be reminded of God's faithfulness and how Jesus was faithful to his friend. Now, I want you to envision this scene. And having been there, it's one of the the things that you begin to do, you you begin to kind of imagine all these things, but but it would have been dark when Jesus called to them and they were out fishing. And so Jesus makes this fire just so they could see each other. But he recreates the scene that Peter had experienced just a week prior, And they're probably sitting around, they're eating some of the catch, the fish that they had caught. And you could probably hear the crackle of the fire as they were kind of just sitting there eating. This is also the area where the Jordan River flows into the Sea of Galilee and they probably would have heard the Jordan flowing into the Sea of Galilee and they're kind of sitting there. And I wonder what Peter must have been thinking as he sees his friend, whom, in a scene similar to what he was experiencing, denied him. Kind of like deja vu for Peter. And he's sitting there and he's like, and they can hear, he can see the fire and he's looking at his friend through the light of the fire. It's interesting to note that not just Peter, but some of the disciples were so kind of downcast that they, they left Jerusalem and went back up to their hometown. Not only did they go back to their hometown, they went back to what they used to do before Jesus had called them out. Undoubtedly, Peter had, was feeling that he could no longer do what God had called him to do because he had been unfaithful to God because he had let God down. I'm not sure about you, but I know that for me, when I let God down and I feel like when he tells me to do something and I don't, I, I feel like I, that he can no longer use me. And I often go back to the thing that God has called me from. It's almost like I say, well, since God can't use me anymore, I'm going to go back to doing what, what I used to do. And Peter, in so much despair, goes back to fishing. And even there, we see God be faithful, and Jesus meets him there. And we can see the faithfulness and the character of our God. You may be asking, what is faithfulness? Um, well, the word that, that, that Paul uses to describe this in Galatians chapter 5, um, it's this term, uh, "pistis," and it's a Greek word. Um, and, and it means faithful, loyal, courageous, utterly reliable, and true to your word. That's what faithfulness means. We look at it in the context of God and his character. God is faithful. He's loyal. He's courageous. He's utterly res- reliable. And he's true to his word. It's important to, th- th- for us to see that, that, God is, that God's faithfulness to us does not depend on our response. It, it's just who he is. In 2 Timothy, Paul also writes that when we are faithless, God remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. In other words, God's faithfulness is rooted deeply in his character. And we see that demonstrated here with Jesus. And you know what? That was good news for Peter. (laughs) And it's good news for every person before and after Peter that has let God down. God is faithful even when we are faithless because it's a part of his character. It's a part of who he is. I often, when I come across a, a powerful truth like that that just rocks me, I often ask myself, how would my life be different if I believed knowing that that if I lived knowing that was true? Right? How would I live my life differently? knowing that I could trust God no matter what. That I could trust him even when I fail him. That he's going to remain faithful even when I don't live up to my side of the bargain. And we see it throughout history. We see it throughout history because God wants his people to trust him because trust is fertile ground for intimacy in relationship. See, God wants our hearts. He wants all of us. And his faithfulness allows us to know that he can be trusted. I've got four kids. God bless me. No, they're all great kids. They're all great kids. And I'm grateful for for each and every one of them. Um, And I remember when Sam was was younger, he's eight years old now. uh, And he was the first one that would, like, I would want him to jump off the bed. I would say, hey, buddy, just, I got you. I got you. I wanted to show my love for him. I wanted him to know that he could experience what it's like to just, you know, just completely let go and that I would be there and I would catch him and I would hold on. And I remember that he would kind of like, he'd get the, the he'd kind of walk up to the edge of the bed and he'd kind of like, no, no. And then he, he, he went through the, hey, let me lean and, and, and kind of feel that. And then when he saw that, I would catch him. He, beat, he let go with reckless abandon to the point where he, he, he got so big I was <laughs> doubting whether I could catch him. But, but he, would, he would go to the edge of the bed and he would tell me to go as far as I could before I hit the wall. And he'd come running and he'd jump out and he'd let go and I'd hold him in my arms. and see, he, could, he knew he could trust that I'd be there. See, God's faithfulness allows that for us. As we look at, th- we look at the scriptures throughout history, God's been faithful to his people. Even at the beginning, when we let him down, we see the creator move towards his creation. He says, where are you? We see the shepherd moving and going to find his sheep. We see a father be faithful to his son. Throughout scripture, we see a God whose character is to be faithful to his people. And we often forget. That's why one of the the words that we see in Scripture so often is, remember. Remember. Remember when. Remember that I was faithful. And here we see Jesus tell Peter, remember that I am faithful. He recreates the scene where Peter was last, where he, he wasn't there for his friend. He recreates it. And he invites them into relationship. He says, follow me. So if you've maybe feel like you've let God down, he invites you into relationship. He wants you to trust him. And this was good news for Peter. It's good news for us. But it's often hard news to understand. Because as Jeff told us last week, it's so easy for us to misunderstand God because we think he's like us. And for us, we often express these things when we receive them in return, right? Like, I'll love you you, to the extent that you love me. Or I'll be faithful to the extent that you're faithful. And what what Jesus does here for Peter is he says, Listen, regardless, I'm going to be faithful because it's who I am. And you can take that to the bank. doesn't matter how many times you give me the Heisman. doesn't matter how. How many times you don't move towards what I call you to. I want to be faithful. God is loyal. He's courageous. He's utterly reliable. And he's true to his word. And he does that because he wants us. He wants us to be in relationship. And in this passage, when we look at it, and you can go on and, and, and look at the different types of love that, that, that Jesus asks Peter there if he, if he loves him. And, but verses 18 and 19 are, are give us hope. For anyone who's given God the Heisman, for anyone who's felt like they've let God down, um, verses 18 and 19 give us hope. And it says this. It says, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted But when you're old, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said these things to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. What John is telling us there is that Peter, Jesus was telling, was foretelling that Peter would be faithful. That Peter would die for Jesus. The one thing that in, the, in, the, in, in a, few ver- a few chapters before that Peter was unwilling to do, give his life for Jesus, Jesus tells him, hey, you're going to be faithful. And you're going to be faithful by remaining close to me, by following me. So we can grow in the characteristic of faithfulness. We can. We, we do that by remaining close to the vine. And so for Peter, Peter went on and he began to preach and he gave his life. He gave his life. In fact, he was going to be crucified. And he said, hey, crucify me upside down. He was faithful because he remained faithful. Connected to Jesus. So how do we remain connected to Jesus? If you're looking for something that's gonna blow your mind, you're not gonna get it. Because following Jesus is simple, but it's not easy. And so how do we remain connected? We pray. <sighs> right. It's simple, but do we really do it? I'm talking, do we do we pray? How do we expect to be connected to the vine if we won't even talk to him? We pray. And we often think that prayer has to be that, that as a pastor that I know says uh, that he God doesn't want perfect. He wants honest. We think that we have to have the right words to say, and we think we've got to come a particular way to be able to pray. And God just wants us to be honest. He wants us to say, God, I I don't get you. I don't know why you asked me to go talk to this stranger. Like, I don't know. God, I, I don't think you came through for me in that situation. God just wants honest. He wants you to talk to him. Imagine Peter sitting there. There's nothing he could, Jesus saw him betray him. There was, there was nothing that Peter could say or do. God doesn't want perfect in our prayers. He wants honest. He wants us to be honest. What would it look like for you to be honest with God about that situation, about the time that you weren't faithful, about what's happening in your life? That you would be honest with God. That you would pray. That you would read the Bible. <sighs> I know, I'm blowing your minds this morning. Right? How do you expect to be connected to the vine if you're not, you're not listening to God through his word? This is how we can participate with him. This week, I'd love i make it easy. I'd, I'd, love, I'd love for you to, to read Psalm 105. If you could just spend, maybe it's on a daily basis, it's the first thing you wake up to, is so you, so you, you open up the scriptures on your phone, however you access it, that you'd meditate on Psalm 105. Psalm 105, you want to re- read somebody that's honest. You read the Psalms. David, man, he, he's like, Lord, I don't, I don't think you're near me. I don't. He just goes on. But in Psalm 105, David is recalling the different ways that God had been faithful with the people of Israel. He's wanting to be reminded of God's faithfulness in his life. So would you spend this week being honest with God and diving into his word, just maybe meditating on Psalm 105? Some of you are like, well, oh, I started my, uh, my reading plan in January. I haven't done great at it. I'll just jump to Psalm. Do it. Jump to Psalm 105. Right? Because I want you to be reminded of God's faithfulness throughout history because he's if he's if he was faithful in the past he'll be faithful in the present and we can trust that he'll be faithful in the future it was july 23rd 2011 i had gone back to UCF they just want all my money to get my mba um and uh, i'd gone back to get my mba and i remember sitting in a class um And we were, it was, we, we had broken into groups and we were talking about our group project that was due. Um, it was a Saturday, uh, and, and I'm sitting there and we'd finished talking about it. And one of my group members, um, began to share, and she, she was a Christian. She knew that I was a Christian. And for some reason she started telling me about, um, when her husband moved from the marketplace, he, he had a job at Lockheed Martin. Um, and he accepted an invitation to be one of the pastors at at the at the church that they attended, um, and he she began telling me how the, the you know they began to pray about it, and, and as she shared the details of this process, like she kept coming back to, it and God was faithful, and there was a pay cut, but God was faithful, and he didn't feel like he was qualified for the job, but but God was faithful, and there was this this theme of faithfulness throughout this whole story, um, and what I didn't know. What, I'm sorry, what she didn't know was that right at that time, my wife and I, Carolina and I, we were praying through whether to come on staff and be your campus pastor here. Um, and so, so you can blame the lady <laughs> in my class at UCF. Um, right, the, and so she didn't know that. And I remember holding back my tears because one by one, God was using this lady telling me this story out of the blue, God was using her faithfulness to share that story with me to provide the clear confirmation that God was calling us into this new season and this new journey for our family. And I remember this time leaving UCF, leaving the parking garage, I called my wife and I said, hey babe, we're doing this. I remember feeling like, man, God is faithful, and our faithfulness shows God's faithfulness to the world around us. I often think, like, had that lady not been faithful to share that story with me at that time, right, My life has been radically changed by it. My family, my kids. I often imagine what it would look like for us as a community to be people that are characterized by faithfulness. That we would be bold and courageous and moving to wherever it is that God has called us to. Even if it is talking to this kid at the wall that you have no idea who he is. Even if it's walking across the street to a neighbor and bringing them food because God told you to do it if it's just walking over to your classmate or the person, your coworker and saying, hey, how are you doing today? That we'd be people, a community that was known for faithfulness. I'll tell you, this city, this part of our community would look radically different. Not because we get it right all the time. But because we become conduits of God's faithfulness to the world around us. And that faithfulness, God's faithfulness, demonstrates His goodness towards each and every one of us. And that's good news. It was good news for Peter, and it's good news for each and every one of us in this room. So will you bow your heads and pray with me. Father, we, um, we're so thankful that you are faithful. We're thankful that, um, that we see your faithfulness throughout history, that you're, you, you don't show your faithfulness like we do. In fact, that you show it even when we give you the Heisman, even when we turn from you, even when we don't obey, even when we, we pursue our own things instead of pursuing you, you you're faithful. I know I need that to be true in my life. God, but not only is that true, it's true that we can grow and be known as people of faithfulness, people that are faithful. We thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit and we can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would give us the strength to remain connected to you, that you'd give us the strength in those moments where you call us to do something that is so crazy, like jumping off a bed, that you'd give us the strength to. God, in every moment, in every season of our lives, let us be reminded of your faithfulness. And let it transform us more into the image of your son Jesus for the sake of the people we're in community with. We love you, God, even though we don't always get it right. And we can trust that you love us even when we don't get it right. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.